since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. (laughs) How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there 
If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom chat. And I am just opening up my September calendar. So that link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Jess, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm happy to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So tell me, I want to hear about sobriety and where you're at, but let's go back and let's talk about alcohol. What was your relationship with it? Oh, it's so crazy because I was thinking about this. So I live in Wisconsin. Oh, you do? Which is popular on the pod. Yes, yes. My home state. So when I think about my drinking story, like I don't know where it started. Yes. Because it's always been there. Yes. You know, I grew up with it. Culturally, it's everywhere. Yeah. When I stopped drinking, I had said, I didn't even know there was a choice not to drink. And that is honest. I'm not saying that or just like, and it sounds really dumb when you say it out loud, but I really didn't because what I saw was everyone drank. Yeah. Also, it doesn't sound dumb. It just doesn't sound dumb. It's so ingrained. And I think not even in Wisconsin, but especially in Wisconsin, but it's just so apart. It's like, does a fish know it's wet? I thought I had to make it work. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I could just like step out of it. Like you, it didn't cross my mind. I was like, well, that's just not an option. No. And I didn't think that I would be friends with people who weren't drinkers. So like, I didn't want to be one of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So my drinking goes as far back as I can remember. I mean, I remember going into the basement to fill up a craft of wine for my parents out of like the, you know, gallon handle of Carlo Rossi. Yes. And then it seemed to progress very typically for what I saw around me. And I started experimenting somewhere around high school. Mm -hmm. Remember going to parties at that time. It continued through college. I was a college swimmer. Okay. And so I think like a lot of collegiate sports, like they just go hand in hand as well. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's just pretty much college overall and the athletes are not immune to the alcohol influence. Oh God, no. Did you go to college in Wisconsin? Yeah. I went to Eau Claire. (laughs) Oh, you did? Okay. I went to Green Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, big party schools for sure. Mm -hmm. And I drank through college. I mean, I wasn't a daily drinker in college, but when we drank, we drank hard and heavy with one goal of just having the best time ever that we probably wouldn't remember. Yeah. And I remember thinking at some point, like, you just grow out of this, right? Like you get it out of your system, people would say. That's what college is for. You drink a lot and then... I don't know. You magically get older and everything works itself out. Right. So I graduated around 2005. I have two degrees in communication and Spanish. And so when I started my career around 2006, I fell into like sales and marketing. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I majored in French and it's like, yeah, like what, you know. <laughs> what do you do with that? I, know, I, know, I was I like, know. Spanish and mass communication. So I'm going to communicate in Spanish <laughs> and do what? I Although, have no idea. At least Spanish, like Spanish and business makes sense. But like French, like I just was not even thinking about 
I was never like, oh, what am I going to do? I was just like, cool. I like French. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yes. Okay. So I started my career around 2006 in marketing. And then my husband, who we dated, I actually met him in middle school and we kind of dated on and off. I know, I know. That's (laughs) cute. We dated throughout high school and college, and then we got married after college in 2008. I started a business two months after that because 2008, the recession happened. Yes. Uh huh. And in my very new marketing career, I wasn't exactly a valuable asset to any companies because I didn't know what I was doing yet. And there weren't jobs to be had. Like I tell people, I would have worked at Starbucks. I love coffee. I would have worked at Starbucks. Starbucks was not hiring. Like, Anybody who knows a job market right now has no idea what you literally could not find a job. Right. Nobody would pay you. Isn't that insane? It's insane. It is insane when you look back. And I graduated earlier than you did, so I didn't get hit with it. Like you guys did. Like if you graduated 2005, 2006, you guys were hit pretty hard. Really hard. And I mean, companies were feeling it. You know, we think of 2008 recession, but I remember like trying to find a job in the beginning of 2006, companies were already slowing way down and pulling back. Yeah. It was coming. Yeah. So we got married in March of 2008. I decided to start a company two months after that in like May, April, May timeframe of 2008. I was 25 years old. And then miraculously, I got pregnant in like November of 2008. And so it was just, it was nuts. It was a lot. It was a lot. We weren't trying. It's a really dumb, long story. (laughs) A palm reader told me I would never be able to get pregnant. And I was like, wonderful. Hold on. I am so interested in this because palm readers, first of all, this is insane. And this is a sidebar, but that's okay. I went to a palm reader like last August. We were in like Laguna Beach for something for my husband's work. And there was a palm reader there. And I was like, oh, this is like really fun. Like how cute, you know, I'm like, read my palm. And then he was like telling me like, well, you're going to have a second career, but then also something about my kids. And it wasn't great that I was like, oh. wow. And it wasn't anything like health or anything. It was like, there's going to be some sort of like relationship issue or something. I was like, okay, this is a great like <laughs> icebreaker to this party. And then I sat down at a table with like, you know, it's one of those like crazy, horrible, like work functions uh-huh. where I know no one mm-hmm. and my husband does. So I'm like, okay. So we're talking about our palm readings. And this one lady was like, she told me my husband is going to die. What? And I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, and he's not here. And the palm reader was a guy. And he told me that I have like five years left with my husband before he dies. And I, I'm like texting him. And I was like, holy shit, <laughs> like great palm reader, icebreaker guys. Like <laughs> don't hire this guy again. Because it was supposed to be this like fun thing. And everyone was getting like horrible news from their palm readings. Oh so then I gosh. went on like a deep dive and I'm like, oh my God, how accurate are palm readers? <laughs> Not very. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, good. The wild thing is, I think sometimes they get it a little bit right because the first thing he told me was along the lines of like, you are going to have a major career change. You're undervalued where you're at. And this was before I left my job to start the company. And so I took what he said very seriously, right? So I was like, yeah, 
I am totally going to do this with a new job or a new company. Yeah. But then he also said, you're not going to be able to get pregnant. And I was like, that's fine. Like, <gasps> we didn't want to okay. have kids. Oh, okay. So, so you get guys rid didn't, of the birth control. Yeah, you guys didn't want kids. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. So that was like good news. You were like, oh, great. Maybe he was just feeling your yeah. vibe. Like he was like, I don't think she wants kids. And maybe yours was nice. Like telling you what you wanted to hear. <laughs> I mean, the thing was, I mean, I remember seeing the palm reader. It was at a bar, yeah. you know, so I was like 25 and drinking. And I was like, I want to start this company. I don't care if I don't have kids. I was not thinking yes. two years down the road. Right. Yeah. Totally. Because when you're 25, you're like, oh, great. Well, because yeah, who wants kids at 25? <laughs> I mean, I always had this idea too, that things would eventually just figure themselves out. I mean, that's healthy. <laughs> I never worried about things. I it, to an extent. No, I mean, that sounds, I'm, that's very foreign to me because that sounds very healthy. I'm like, what? I'm worried about the sky falling. Okay. So, okay. The palm reader says that, and the palm reader's full of shit because you got pregnant. I got pregnant. So you pregnant. went off birth control? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I okay. got pregnant and then fast forward to 2009 when the baby comes and the baby is a baby and the business is a baby. Mm. And the marriage is a baby. PS. Oh, heavens. Right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, let's yes. talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. So I did not allow myself to take a lot of time off from the company. I took six weeks. Yeah. Um, Oof, that's I hard. I had a C-section unexpectedly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I remember at some point sitting at work and all of us, it was like I woke up and I didn't remember getting there. I didn't remember driving there. Mm -hmm. I went out to my car to make sure our daughter wasn't still in the car. And I knew at that moment, like, I need help because our baby was also, she was diagnosed with colic. She never Ugh. stopped crying Ugh. ever. That's so hard. I know. It took over nine months before she was sleeping through the night. And when I went back to work at six weeks, she was consistently waking up every hour Ugh. all night. Brutal. I know. Brutal. So I didn't sleep. So I ended up going to the doctor when I had this moment where I realized like, holy crap, I don't even know how I got here. This is, I'm not good. Like I'm not healthy. Yeah. I am freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up going on antidepressants. Okay. And anxiety. They help. Like, did they help you? Massively. Okay. Okay. Massively. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I needed it. And in fact, so now we have three kids. And after the birth of all of them, yeah. or the, uh, the next two, I went on them proactively. Yeah. Without a doubt, yeah. I needed it. Yeah. yeah. Me too. And that's yeah. not like, yes. yeah, that's definitely not a weakness. It's just an imbalance, no. right? Yeah. Yes. So it was during that time that I really think my alcohol use shifted because nobody teaches you how no. to do this, right? No. So yeah. during that time is when I really transitioned. That's when I started drinking daily. So this yeah. was 2008, nine. My drink of choice was wine, yeah, which is very sophisticated, you know. And right, so totally. I, I thought that I was it's doing different. the young career thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally different. Yeah, started drinking, and I actually kind of knew it was an issue. Like right away, early on, I just had this feeling mm. that it wasn't a good decision. But everybody was telling me it was fine. I yeah. did actually ask a few people. You did. I did. Who did you ask? Like your mom, friends, or no? I asked people at work. I okay. asked other, like other women, like how you do this. And actually, during that time as well, I started asking a lot of women about work-life balance because I felt like I was completely failing, 
And I had no idea how other women had done this before me. I'm like, well, you work and you have kids. How are you doing this? Because I'm ready to die. Yes. And you're all doing this. I specifically asked them, many women. And the craziest part was the responses were awful. These women, they would do that laughing thing that you see women do. They're like, oh, you get it now. Like yes. it is terrible. Not, like now Welcome you're in the club. Terrible. Yes. <laughs> Saddle up. Like yes. this is the suck club. Yes. yes. Here the we are. suck club. <laughs> totally. I just remember being like, this cannot be the answer. Right. This cannot be the answer. Yeah. So that question sent me on a multi-year search to figure out balance. Wow. Okay. So was alcohol in your mind at this point or this was the mom life, work life balance thing? Like where did alcohol fit in on your quest and in your brain? Like where did you put it? I knew it was a problem. Yeah. Because even when I was pregnant with my first, Mm -hmm. I didn't stop the whole time. Like I didn't stop drinking the whole time. I drank not through, but I drank in all of my pregnancies. Yeah. I mean, that's Wisconsin too. I know it is. When you don't live in that culture, and yes, like the United States drinks, like every state has high drinking rates. But in Wisconsin, when it is such a cultural thing... Like you saying that in Wisconsin wouldn't raise alarm bells. Mm-mm. It wouldn't be like, what? It's a cultural thing. Well, and it was twofold. Like one, I was surprised to find out that it was really hard for me to stop. Mm. It was really hard. And it was yeah. the first time I think that I was confronted with that. Yeah. But then also I really believed that alcohol was good for you. Right. And so if alcohol yeah. is good for you, Right. Why do we stop when we're pregnant? Yeah. That didn't make sense. Like, I know it just sounds crazy, but I really believed that wine specifically yes. had benefits. Right. Well, I mean, that does not sound crazy because if you want to find that wine is good for you, you will find that 1970s French study. Mm-hmm. Like, you will find it. Mm-hmm. And people still believe that all over. Like, still, yeah. they believe in the whatever the heart healthy benefits that don't exist of red wine, right? Mm -hmm. So fast forward through all the years, like we had our very last one, our last third girl when we tried for our boy, (laughs) she was born in November of 2019. Okay. So yeah, I think we have, ours are similar. Yep. He's September. Yep. So I had gone on my maternity leave at the end of 2019 and we were still, you know, cozy through January Mm-hmm. And then I was coming back out into the world in February of 2020. And I was really excited about it. I was really excited. I felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on meds and like taking care of myself. I felt like I had really figured it out with the third one. And then the world shut down. And I can't tell you the level of anger I had mm. was incredibly unhealthy. And I didn't know what to do with it because yeah. nobody was listening at that time. What I kept saying was I recognized we didn't understand what was going on, obviously, with the pandemic. Yeah. But we shut down kids, yes. which shut down women. Yes. And I was pissed. Yes. I was pissed. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there was nothing you could do. And so I drank a lot in 2020. It is true. And when you said like that, no one was listening. That's so true. 
And I think even today, no one really listens to it, right? Like we don't let moms complain and we don't let moms vent and we don't let moms have an outlet for our anger. And especially, especially then, especially 2020, no one was listening. And that, not only is that like heartbreaking, but it's corrosive. And you couldn't be mad. Yes. Because people were dying. Right. It'd be the guilt and the shame. It's like, well, oh God, it became that whole like, you know, well, you sending your kid to school is going to kill my grandma. (laughs) I'm like, wait, right? what? Right. Right. Yes. And it's like, you can hold these two things simultaneously. You can be sad and people can be dying and you can be afraid and you can be mad that who was shut down were the ones that don't have voices, kids and women. Yes. Yeah. It's so true. I still remember my husband was sitting on the chamber of commerce board, like the board of directors. Yeah. And as we were trying to open back up after the pandemic, they were like trying to figure out what events they were going to have and this and that. This was still, I mean, it might've been 2021. I don't remember. Yeah. Cause it's all a blur. (laughs) I mean, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Starting to plan these events and they were these, you know, after hours events and this and that, it was still not when the world was fully open though, because my husband had said to the board, like, we can't have these events. Like all of our wives and our kids are still at home. And he said the business guys were like, well, no, right. Like, we'll do this after hours. Like, we'll do it. And he goes, if I try to leave, my wife is going to kill me. Like, she cannot keep watching kids all day. And it had never occurred to them like, oh, yeah, our wives are watching our kids. They're doing the schooling. And then all day and all night. Like, that's just how it just... It's an example of like, I just think there wasn't any consideration. And I remember watching social media and women, I've worked from home for a long time. And I remember watching on social media, people saying like, okay, well now our kids are, we'll just work from home and our kids will be at home. And I'm like, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You can't do all of it. No, you can't do it successfully, either of them. And you can't do that without feeling like a failure all the time. Yeah. So my drinking, I was pissed. Yeah. I didn't care. So I just drank because no one else cared. I wasn't going to care. I mean, I had known it was a problem and then I just didn't care that it was a problem. Mm. And then 2021 was like, Jess, we're on a fast track to nowhere good. Like this is not going to go anywhere good. You have to get a hold of this. And so I really remember making a change around 2021 where I started listening to podcasts, reading books. I should mention too, I was in direct sales with Emily Paulson. She's a friend of mine. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I've been watching Emily's journey for six years, yeah. something like that. So yeah. this had been on my radar for yes. a while. Like this was bubbling in the background and I knew this was an issue. So 2021, I really started to get serious about it. It was so hard. I would start and I would stop and I would fail over and over and over again. And the biggest thing that changed for me is I stopped like hating myself for it. Mm. I think through the rewiring of understanding how alcohol is, I started to take responsibility for the parts that I wanted to change. And I started just forgiving myself 
for yes. being in the trap that I was in. Yes. And not assigning blame, right? The blame and the shame yeah. and all of that stuff is so heavy. And yeah, where do you start? I like also how you said, you know, you probably knew that alcohol was a problem, but then you didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so common and we don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that then breeds shame. It's like, well, I should care about this, but I don't care right now because I'm pissed and because I need an escape and because I'm not ready to change, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not ready yet. And I think that that curiosity point when my mom and I always talk about these like stages of change where you're like, okay, like it's in there and it's getting in there and you're kind of thinking about it, but you're not ready. I think that that's such an important stage to talk about Mm -hmm. because, you know, groups like AA, I think shut the door to women and to people who are still in that stage. And I think that that's such an important stage. And that's why I always open my doors to like everyone in the stage because yes, come, if you have an inkling, if you have a feeling okay, if you're not ready yet, okay. But like keep learning and keep learning about what alcohol is, what it does, and then you will get there even if you're not there yet. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It's a lonely stage too. And it feels like you're the only one who's struggling. Yes. And it's like Groundhog's Day all over again. Every day, you know, you say you're not going to, and then you do, and then you wake up hating yourself. It's just that vicious, vicious cycle. Yes. I knew underneath that if I stuck with it, meaning if I just kept taking in information that I didn't always want to hear, I didn't always want to know the truth about alcohol, you know, because it made drinking a lot harder. Yeah. It can be like a conscious choice, right? You're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to learn the truth. I'm going to learn what it is, even if I don't want to know what it is. Yeah. Because I know that this is going to make drinking poison a lot harder. And it's hard too, because you hear your story and other people's stories and you're like, damn it. Like if she eventually had to change, Mm. like I know I'm, you know, I know where I'm headed. Yeah. Even if I'm not there. Yeah. Yeah. And I just knew it was going to happen for me eventually. Like, yeah, I was like waiting for that moment and everything led up to it. Like I had to listen to the books. I had to listen to the podcasts. I had to keep trying, like, you got to try moderation and know it doesn't work yes, a million yes. times, you know? Mm-hmm. So then September 25th of last year, nothing terrible happened the night before. Honestly, it was fine. We had had some friends over. We had drinks. It was fine. I went to bed, slept terribly, woke up. And I was like, you know what? I'm just sick of it. I'm just sick of feeling like this. Mm. I'm just going to try. And so... I stopped. I knew it was permanent, although I was real freaked out about saying that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I was just like, I just need to string some days together. And so I started walking. Like, this is really bizarre, but I woke up that morning and I put in my AirPods and I went for a walk and I listened to probably one of your podcasts. And I did that every day after. Yeah. For 30 minutes, yeah. I just walked and listened to podcasts every day. Isn't that incredible that it seems so mm-hmm. simple, right? It seems like mm-hmm. such a simple, I don't know, choice or ritual or habit, but how much that can change. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that changed it for you? I think starting my day, very first thing, like focused on 
the most important thing. And for me, the most important thing for many months was just not drinking. Yeah. It's weird, right? Like, yeah, it's weird when your most important thing is not doing something. <laughs> yes. Yes. That felt really bizarre for me as like the overachiever goal oriented. I was like, okay, the only thing that I just want to accomplish today is not drinking. <laughs> yes. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it just gave me this thing to do every morning was like, okay, wake up, go for a walk, listen to a podcast. And it just set my day up on the right foot. Yeah. And I eventually took that walk with my husband and I told him, I said, babe, I think I'm done drinking. And I don't know why he knew if it was how I said it, but he, he just goes, really? I said, yeah. No, I think I really am actually done. And he, just the way he responded to it, like he understood. Really? Yeah, that was a big deal because I had said I was going to do this a lot of times. Yeah. So like I didn't even really believe myself. Right. And he did. And had you talked to him, like did he know this like consternation or like, you know, all of your inner thoughts and the turmoil in the years prior. Mm-hmm. Was he privy to all that? Yeah. 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 I don't tend to do things quietly. Yeah. Like same. <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, I remember listening to stuff and being like, John, did you have any idea that alcohol is ethanol? Like <laughs> yeah. I still I told my mom one time when we were up north and she's like, well, it's not ethanol. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It like actually is. <laughs> I know. All of it. Yes. She's like, but not wine. (laughs) No, I know. Yeah. So I, he knew, I mean, he's probably so sick of me talking about it, Yeah. but it was how I was like processing it, but he got it. He knew that I was done. And so then I was real freaked out about the forever thing. Yeah. So I would say then like, okay, 50 days. Cause it's the longest I'd ever gone was 50 days. So I was like, I want to hit 50 days. And then I said, I want to hit a hundred days. And then I'm like, I just six months, but I always, I'm like, I just need to know I can hit six months. And now I'm 10 months in. That's amazing. I know it. It is amazing. I'm so far into it though. Like sometimes I forget how bad it was. Yes. And that's like yes. now the struggle a little okay. bit. Okay. Let's talk about that yeah. because that goes into like romanticizing alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. And like falling back into the marketing. Yeah. Because it's all the marketing. It's all the smoke and mirrors because it's not actually what alcohol is and it's not what it does. But I think that that's really common. Like the further away you get from like the last hangover and yeah, just seeing it up close and all of its effects. Like it is easy to be like, well, I mean, because it really is that bad. Yeah. That bad. (laughs) I mean, is this drastic? You know, and I've talked about a lot that it's like, yeah, it's drastic. And isn't that great? Like, isn't it great that we can change? But yeah. How do you deal with that when you start to kind of just forget what it is? And start to romanticize. I go back. I don't know if you ever read Alan Carr's book. Okay, so it's so funny because he comes up a lot. I feel like Mm -hmm. he and Annie Grace kind of have a similar thing, right? Where they're just going to kind of like deprogram. I listen to his book for sugar Oh, and I need to do it again (laughs) because it's kind of the same. And it's like, you know, yes, eat the sugar while you're listening to the book. And then by the end, you're not going to want it. And well, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know how well that worked. (laughs) You know what I'm realizing is when you said like you didn't want it to change. I don't want to change my relationship with sugar. Like I'm there. Mm -hmm. And I've probably been there for the last 25 years. And Mm -hmm. who knows? Because I won't lose my family to sugar. So there's not like that 
big of a motivator for me. Yeah. But so did you listen to it for alcohol? Okay. So I read the first part of it. I don't think I ever actually finished it. Yeah. But he says in there, just make the decision, never question the decision. Yes. That's just what I hang on to is like, yes. Even when my brain is playing these weird games, (sighs) yes. don't question the decision. It took me years to make this decision. Yeah. And now I'm here and I don't ever want to go through that again. Yes. That makes me think of Holly Whitaker too. I think she has that like tattoo, like NQ, never question the NQTD. I think she has that Uh, tattooed on her because that really is, I think part of what makes trying to moderate alcohol hard is the back and forth and the so much mental energy spent on that, right? And so then when you bring that into sobriety, and I get forever being scary Mm -hmm. because we don't think about forever for anything. Like I don't feel pressured to answer that about literally anything Mm -hmm. except people like to ask that question about alcohol. But yeah, when you bring that questioning into every day into sobriety, for me, it feels like it defeats the purpose of the freedom of sobriety. The freedom of sobriety is you don't have to spend time thinking about alcohol Mm -mm. and like answering that. I know. And I just know I'm not going to drink. Like we got back from a vacation recently and I've been on now a few vacations without alcohol, but the very first night your brain still does that thing where it's like, oh, we're in a new city and look at those people enjoying their drinks. That looks so nice. Are we seriously never going to drink again? And I just, I go back to like, okay, just like calm down. It's fine. Yeah. Like, no, Yeah. we're not going to drink. So like, it's fine. But I think too, recognizing that sometimes it's just hard. Yes. And that's okay. That's okay. Yes. Yeah. I think that's like the crux of it, really, when we spend so much time drinking alcohol to like avoid feeling hard things and dealing with hard things is that like, yes, hard things still exist and now you can feel them and you can feel them. And it is like a muscle that it's like, oh, now I'm really, I'm better at feeling hard things. Yeah. Because I'm kind of getting used to it. Uh Yeah. Exactly. So what do you think your favorite thing about sobriety is? I mean, honestly, it's everything. My favorite thing is that I don't ever like worry about letting myself down again. Mm. I hated being in that cycle. Mm-hmm. I hated like it waking up in the morning and being like, no, I'm seriously am done. I'm not doing this. And then life would get hard because it is hard. Like three kids is hard. Mom is hard. Yes. My career now, since the first company to now is running businesses. So any job is hard. Running businesses is hard. It's all hard. Yeah. And so there's a million reasons to drink. And I'm just so glad that I don't. Like I just don't. And I never hate myself in the morning. Ugh. Ugh. (laughs) Oh my God. That should be like on a mug. I never hate myself in the morning, right? Yeah. That's it. That's huge. And I think so many times we don't draw the line from hating ourselves in the morning to alcohol. And we just think that that's us. And like taking alcohol away, we're like, oh, that wasn't us. You know what my gift always was though, is I always knew it. Like I always knew Mm. it was alcohol. See, that's so good. I know. And I just, I just always did. It's wild. That's great though, because the shame isn't there. That like, you know, weighted blanket of shame that sometimes people carry into sobriety. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it's the best thing. And that's part of the reason I I mean, I will never go back is because I never want to have to get out. Yes. Getting out's hard. Yeah. Staying out is sometimes hard, but rarely. Like it gets a lot easier with time. Yeah, it really does. Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. And culturally, it's still all around me. Mm-hmm. You know how they always do those like drunkest cities in the U.S.? I don't know <laughs> yeah. if you saw the most recent one. No. Um, what is it? Yeah, Wisconsin took seven of the top ten. Are you kidding me? Seven. And I heard about it because I was driving and like, you know, one of the local radio stations was talking about it. And I, I mean, for years, I can, I, decades, I can remember studies like this. Yes. It's a point of pride for Wisconsin. I know. I know. And like Madison would be like the number one party school or the number two behind Arizona always. And they would celebrate. And it's like, holy shit. I know. Okay. I just made a note to look that up. Yeah. Seven. Seven. So they're the top four. They're seven in the top 10 and they're 10 in the top 20. Oh my God. So like, even though I've changed and I don't do it, it's still all around me. So it does feel very extreme for people. And prior to this, going back on my story, the whole thing of balance has been something that's really interesting to me. I actually ended up writing a book about it called The Balanced Entrepreneur. So like people know me as like a balanced person. Yeah. And so this is a very extreme decision for them where they're like, Mm. "What? I mean, can't you just... And it's just, no, I know too much now and I'm grateful I do. I really think that if most people really knew what alcohol does, most people would go, what are we doing? Yes. And the thing about balance is that what is often lost in the conversation, and this is the same thing about moderation, is that alcohol is highly addictive. It's highly addictive. And so- yeah you can't balance a highly addictive substance. Mm-mm. It's just scientifically, that's not how it's set up. Mm-hmm. You're going to get addicted mm-hmm. the more you use it. And so like, that's where their argument falls flat. I am happy to see like the studies coming out because I do think the more people know, that will change yeah. things. I mean, I grew up yeah. really believing that wine was healthy. Yes. I really I believed know. that. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Gen Z is better than we are, which is how it should be. You know what I mean? I do think that they're on the right track when it comes to this kind of stuff and mental health and learning from our mistakes, really. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully the kids are all right. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. I love that it's different. It's different than a lot of the women that have been on here, but then there's, you know, there are these threads that you can see your story in and then it's different. And the fact that you're in Wisconsin, I think is huge because if you're in Wisconsin, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but she doesn't get it. You guys, she gets it. I get it. Mm -hmm. It's just an alcohol soaked culture and you can still step out of the madness. You can still do that. So just thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.